Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer, Laura Zaro kopinski And my guest today is Becca Freeman, author of A Hug of a Book That is Perfect for This Holiday Season, The Christmas Orphans Club, about four friends who gather every Christmas as a found family. Becca is also the co-host of the popular books and lifestyle podcast, Bad on Paper, and the co-creator of Rom-Com Pods. She's a graduate of Boston College. She currently resides in Brooklyn, where she enthusiastically celebrates Christmas every year. Becca, thanks for being here. I just love the Christmas Orphans Club. I highly recommend it for people to pick up for some cozy reading this holiday season. And I've really been looking forward to chatting with you. Likewise, I'm so thrilled to be here. Yes, I, you know, I love a good Christmas read. And um, this one, you know, I just, I love these characters and I love the structure of the book, which I definitely want you to kind of talk about a little bit. But, um, you know, the friends are, the friend group is just delightful to read about and also very realistic in terms of, you know, problems that come up and, um, you know, issues that people are, are struggling with. So I guess to start, I would love for you to just talk a little bit about the friends we meet in the book and I guess just generally kind of how the book is is structured. Sure, definitely. So uh, the book follows a group of four friends, Hannah, Finn, Priya, and Theo, who have built this decade-long tradition of spending the holiday together. And uh, the friendship starts when Hannah and Finn meet because they are the only two people who are on campus at their college on Christmas, both of them because uh, they don't have a relationship with their family, Hannah, because both of her parents have passed away and Finn, because he's been exiled from his family when he came out as gay. And the two of them spend that first Christmas together having kind of a fun, unexpected adventure. And it turns into a tradition. And over the next few years, they add in Priya, who is Hannah's post-college roommate, And they add in the mysterious Theo, who actually comes into the group through a one-night stand. And uh, this group kind of becomes a found family unit that has both this Christmas tradition, but are also really each other's people. And um, the book is told in alternating now and then timeline. So in the past, you get to see the greatest hits of their past Christmases. And you get to see how this group was made. And you also get to see some tumult in this group. Um, And then in the present timeline, they're planning what might be their last Christmas together ever. And Hannah feels a pressure to make this the best one yet. And so even though um, her long-term boyfriend is pressuring her to take the next step, she's really holding tight to this group and this found family that she has, which is equally important to her as, you know, a biological family. Yeah, I love the way you weave together the different characters and also the way we go back and forth between past and present, kind of trying to figure out why different dynamics are at place in their relationships or, you know, why things have gone certain ways for them. Uh, I thought that that was just a really um, enjoyable way to read to read the story. And, you know, I wondered at the outset for you, did you kind of start with the found family story? Did you know you wanted to write a Christmas book? How did the, the book start for you? It started with both, actually. So I have hosted a podcast for the past almost six years. 
and through that have a following on Instagram. And back in December of 2020, people kept asking me what my favorite Christmas books were. And I think they were asking because I am so obsessed with Christmas movies and truly the worse, the better. Like the more Vanessa <laughs> Hudgens you can get into one single movie, the better. Um, like you have a fake country with fake royalty. I am there. Um, and when people were asking me about Christmas books, I realized that I didn't have a really robust list of books to recommend, not because they don't exist and not because they aren't good, but just, you know, I think sitting down with a movie, it's 90 minutes. I'm mostly on my phone, um, is a really different commitment than sitting down with a book that's, you know, maybe 10 to 12 hours spent reading with undivided attention. And for me, um, my mom passed away when I was a teenager. Um, and even though I really love everything about Christmas, the actual day of Christmas itself can be a little bit of a bummer for me. And I, I realized that I didn't really connect with a lot of Christmas books because a lot of them tend to be very small town. A lot of it is about going home for the holidays. A lot of it is about, uh, you, usually there's some kind of romantic aspect about rekindling with the one that got away. And I just didn't connect with that. And so as I kept getting that question over and over, I was noodling on what is the Christmas book that I would want to read? And I started almost fantasizing about what if there was a group of friends who had a Christmas tradition that to them was even better than a traditional Christmas and that they were doing something different, but it was really joyful and special. It wasn't sad. And so the, the idea kind of came hand in hand with this found family group and making a book about Christmas that maybe was a little different than a lot of the Christmas books that were out there. I love that so much. And what did they say, you know, write the book that you want to read. So it seems like that is really the case here. And absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I, I love books with found families too. I just, I'm, I feel like I always gravitate toward those. Um, well, because a lot happens to these characters and their relationships through the years and we're going back and forth in time. It made me wonder if you are a plotter, you know, a, a, a plotter or pantser and, in particular, did you sort of plot out and know all the highs and lows of their relationships and choices, or did they maybe like surprise you and reveal themselves to you as you wrote? Well, so I'm still figuring out if I am a plotter or a pantser, but I will say I pantsed this book. Um, so before this, I had created a series of audio fiction podcasts um, under rom-com pods. And I did that with a co-writer. And so for everything we wrote, it needed to be meticulously outlined because there were two of us working on it. And so we needed to know exactly what was happening so that we could work in tandem. And when I started, the, started this book, um, there was almost a freedom to being able to not have an outline. And so I, I really kind of ran full steam ahead with no outline. Um, I knew I knew that there was going to be a big fight between the two point of view characters. And that's not a spoiler. It's alluded to in the very, in the prologue. Um, and I knew what that was about. And I knew roughly where everyone was going to end up, but not how they were going to end up there. So I knew, you know, which couples were going to end up together and, and kind of what the state of the friendship would be at the end, but not how. And I, I, I sat down and I wrote it and I will say you know, certainly many scenes changed and there were things that were added, but the structure was there from the very, very beginning, which now that I'm writing my second book, I'm kind of shocked by. Yeah. Well, as you were going along, because some of these 
seems, you know, it's kind of light and escapist at times, but also very emotional and people really sort of working through, you know, family issues, grief, all these different things. Um, I wondered if there was a particular scene that was difficult to kind of get into their headspace and write. Ooh, that's a great question. So there absolutely were multiple scenes like that. I would say the scene I found the hardest was this scene. I'm trying to figure out how to say this without spoiling anything. Um, So Hannah and her boyfriend go to Thanksgiving at his parents' house. And afterwards, they get into a fight about Christmas. And I found that scene really, really hard because she, on the one hand, she's both right and wrong and you need to keep the reader on her side. And I found a really, I found it really difficult to kind of thread that needle. And I'm so grateful to my editor who's so empathetic and, and really had such great feedback about how we could kind of balance that to make sure that the reader could see both sides and the reader didn't lose trust with Hannah because she was being too difficult. And look, she's a difficult character. She's hanging on to something as she goes through a big period of change. So, you know, there is an aspect of that too, that she's not, she's not just right either. You know, that's so interesting approaching their relationship that way, because I feel like it's that way with the friendships too. And I I enjoyed that as a reader of like, I really could see, both sides or a few sides sometimes to different conflicts. Like they felt like real problems that friends and, you know, partners and families would have. And um, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed kind of watching each of the characters work through challenges with each other, with the different people in their lives. Of course, as I'm saying all that, there's also like very fun scenes too and lots of lightness. And I definitely felt, you know, New York is sort of a character in the book, which I always enjoy reading. And I wondered if, you know, there were particular scenes that you had to really think about, like, oh, where you wanted it set or what you wanted the activity to be, if you, like, did any fun Christmas days in New York, (laughs) anything like that. Oh, my gosh. So I I just hit my 11-year New York anniversary of living here. It was last Friday. Um, And so it almost was a fun exercise of just getting to put so many of my favorite places from New York into this book. And I almost had too many. It wasn't a challenge to come up with them. I had so many places I wanted to include, and it was actually the opposite of needing to whittle it down what they would do and where they would go. Um, I maybe took some liberties. I don't know that a hundred percent of the things they do on Christmas are open on Christmas, but I, I feel like we can suspend. <laughs> you could take creative there. license for that. Well, yeah, we're not going to go Google them. <laughs> totally. But you're, you're absolutely right that it is my love letter to New York. I, you know, as a reader, I feel like, you know, there's some books where it's like, she's a New Yorker. Her favorite place is Times Square. She drives everywhere and has a four bedroom apartment And nothing makes me so angry quite when, you know, it feels like maybe the author lived in New York a really long time ago or maybe hasn't lived there at all. And so I really wanted to show both the good and the bad parts of living in New York. And then also, you know, I think with that, too, there's good and bad parts of Christmas, the holiday. I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's wrapped up with some difficult emotions along with the the happy and the joy. And so 
you know, that was really important for me to show. Um, and I think New York is a great, great backdrop for that because, you know, as great as New York is, it's also a really difficult city to live in sometimes. And so, you know, I wanted to show that too. It's funny as I think I have like repressed this memory. I, I lived in New York just for a couple years after college, but I'm remembering thinking it would be a great idea my first winter there to try to go see the Rockefeller tree lighting, thinking you just like go walk over there and watch it. And it was this like awful, horrible night of being like stuck in barricades so far away. You couldn't even see the tree and just wanting to escape and flee. And like, this is not quintessential Christmas. Um, yes, there's, there's um, lots of fun things in New York. And then there's things that are not so fun at Christmas time that I would not depict. Yeah, I, you know, I also wanted to ask about kind of the kind of road to publication, because you mentioned sort of the idea sparking in December 2020. Did it take a long time to write? Was it a long journey to getting published? And I guess kind of along with that, I'd love to hear how you know, you have your Bad on Paper podcast, you have your work with rom-com pods, how you've kind of balanced all of that with your writing life as well. Yeah, um, I feel like I've had such a rosy road to publication that I'm almost shameful talking about it and kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, but I, but I will tell you because you asked. Um, so it's funny because I've, I've been a lifelong reader. I I don't know that I would have said even, you know, five years ago that I thought I could write a book or that I wanted to write a book. It was always kind of like a big, hairy bucket list dream. But, you know, I, I didn't have a consistent writing practice. It wasn't something I was actively doing. Um, and before this career change, I worked in marketing. Um, I worked in-house for many years as the head of marketing at a few different brands. And then I had um, left and I was consulting. And in December of 2019, a year before I started writing this book, um, I was in LA and I was visiting a friend of mine and I was lamenting to her that I felt kind of like a mercenary being a consultant. Like it just wasn't very fulfilling. And um, she suggested that we write a rom-com and um, she wanted to write a fiction podcast. And we had started this kind of this, neither of us had any real commitment to the project. It was like, anyone can walk away at any time. This is just like a fun thing. Um, and we'd started it and we're about halfway through writing a script when the pandemic hit. And all of a sudden we had so much more free time and so much anxiety to deal with and process too. And so we really threw ourselves into this. And I almost say that rom-com pods was my, my school, my test ground for figuring out how to tell a story because I was doing with a partner. So there's somebody, there's someone else there to, help when you can't quite figure out what happens next or, um, you know, to hold your hand through it. And then they're much shorter too. So, you know, our scripts for rom-com pods were maybe like 150 pages versus a, a typed book is, you know, maybe between 300 and 400 pages. Um, and so it was kind of a fun iterative way to learn to tell a story. I read a lot of craft books through that, et cetera. Um, and so in December of 2020, we were, We'd done two series, two rom-com pods, and I sat down to write this book, and it was very much an on-the-side project. I was uh, working full-time. I had this podcast. I was also creating, uh, we were working on two different rom-com pods 
during 2021 when I was writing the first draft of this book. And so it took me a year to write the first draft. There were full months that I didn't write anything, um, that I was too busy with other things or that I just didn't know what to do. And I was daunted by it. So I didn't do anything. And I'd set a goal and I said this on my podcast. So maybe it was that there was some level of parasocial accountability that I felt accountable that I did need to finish the book. And so I said that I wanted to finish a first draft of the book by the end of 2021. So it took me like bang on a year to write the first draft. Um, and that was the part I liked the least. I, I found it really, really hard to continue to go back to the page when everything just feels bad. Um, and so then once I finished the first draft, I, I spent the first half of 2022 editing the book by myself. And then um, after a third draft, I shared it with five friends. And I actually had the very fortunate situation that my agent found me through my podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I shared it with her as well at that point. Um, and we just instantly hit it off. And I just, I felt such a great energy with her. I can't explain it. There's like something a little woo woo about it. Um, but I just <laughs> knew that she was the right person. Um, and so we spent the summer of 2022 working on the book together and going through a few more rounds of edits. And then we took it on to submission in September of 2022. And so I didn't realize it at the time, but have selling the book in October of 2022 and then having it come out in September of 2023 is actually warp speed for the publishing industry, which tends to move pretty slowly. Um, and so, yeah, we, we really had kind of a, a very happy road to publication that I feel, I feel a little guilty because as I talk to more and more writers, I realize that that's maybe not always the case. That's interesting though. And interesting about the timeline, because I guess it is hard if you have a holiday book, because if they didn't do it a year later, then you have to wait. It's not like you can say, well, we'll, do, we'll put it out in April. Like then you have to wait a whole nother year I would imagine that is kind of tricky, like to timing the book and getting everything nailed down, I'm sure is tricky in general, but when it like has to come out during a certain time of year, I would imagine that is also tough. Yeah, exactly. And so it was really like, we were selling it in October of 2023 and it was, or sorry, 2022. And it was like, does this come out in fall of 2023? Or if not, we have to wait till 2024. Um, which just, oh, it felt, that felt so far away to have to even contemplate. Yeah, well, this is, we're recording a bit early, but this is going to air um, Christmas week, and it's making me wonder, you know, have you set up any fun, like, book events or readings or anything to, to tie in with the Christmas theme? I just would imagine that would make it for, make for very fun book events. Well, it's so funny because my book is coming out in, or my book came out in September, um, which is because, you know, theoretically, the book has kind of a short lifespan on it. I don't know that people are going to want to be picking it up in April. Although I do think that even though it is set around Christmas, it is not so in your face Christmassy that you could only read it at Christmas. But again, I'm biased. True. So maybe that's not, <laughs> not how everyone else feels. Um so, you know, we, we really wanted to give it enough time to build up word of mouth and to get people reading it, passing it along to friends, et cetera. And so um, 
I've actually had a lot of book events in September and I've been so heartened by the people who are so excited to come out and celebrate Christmas with me in September. And, you know, even going further back, the people who are reading arcs in July and celebrating Christmas in July. So I feel like my whole life is Christmas this year. I've had my Christmas tree up <laughs> since July. I threw a party, a Christmas in July party. Um, I very much embrace Christmas in July. I like, watch Christmas movies in July and like order a bunch of my presents and like I can't just have it once a year. Let's you know watch some of the movies and read the books at other times as well. So that is fun. I could see yeah I could see that being tricky but also fun for people to get to come out and celebrate it earlier. Well I was gonna ask too about with um, that on paper and I know you have a book club with that as well. I'm curious if you could talk about that a little bit and also maybe if you could share if you have had any favorite guests on. Oh, absolutely. So as I mentioned, we started the podcast almost six years ago. Um, and we originally started it reading quote unquote bad young adult books, like books that would be considered guilty pleasures. Um, the first book that we started with was the Selection series. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. No, I haven't read that. I would basically comp it to The Bachelor Meets the Hunger Games. It's <laughs> fantastically addictive. And so the first year, we only read young adult books. And then uh, we we expanded in the second year, kind of going to more broad books. And we, we try to do a mix of everything. Um, I tend to be more of a romance reader. My co-host, Olivia Mentor, tends to be more of a thriller reader. Um, and then we we try to put in you know, maybe a couple of more literary fiction picks throughout the year and maybe one or two nonfiction picks as well. Um, and it's really fun. I say that I, I kind of started this podcast because every in-person book club I've been in has died a slow death by scheduling. You know, you meet mm. twice and then you can't figure out when the next time everyone can get together is. Yeah. And I just wanted to talk to people about the books that I was reading and that I loved. And so I found that community online and for this podcast, which has been so exciting. We have a Facebook group with, I think, 8,000 people in it and a Geneva group, which is more of a chat room where people are always talking about books. And it's so fun and exciting to have this book community. Um, and it's, it's been really great. And it's also let me meet some of my favorite authors. You asked about favorite guests. I would say my all-time favorite guest has probably been Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, I love her so much. She, I've never had her on, but Big Magic in particular is like one of my all-time favorites. Same. I reread it every January and I, I credit a lot of me reimagining myself. I used to think I was not a creative person and I, I credit shifting my thinking on that a lot to that book and to her in particular. Um, and she just came on and she just has such, such magical energy herself. Oh, she's so wise. I, I just, yeah, I, I love her so much. That would be, I'm going to put it out in the universe. She's a, she's a dream guest of mine. I'll have to work on that at some yes. point. But she's just so lovely. Well, that will also kind of lead us into, we you know, touched on big magic. Are there other books that you've read lately that you'd want to recommend to listeners that you've really been enjoying? Oh, Sure. Um, so I just finished a book that comes out in December. We're recording this a little in advance. It's called Meet the Benedettos, and it comes out on December 5th. And it is pitched as Keeping Up with the Kardashians meets Pride and Prejudice. Ooh. <laughs> and it was just such a perfect high-low mashup. 
And it was also laugh out loud funny, which I find so hard to do on the page. Um, and it's about a washed up reality TV family. Their, their show is off the air. Um, and a blockbuster A-list Hollywood actor and his uh, best friend, who is a Juilliard trained theater actor, move into this crumbling gated community where they live and they keep crossing paths. Um, so I thought that was fantastic. That great. Oh, it's so good. And then um, I also truly, truly loved uh, the new Sophie Cousins book, which came out in November. Um, I don't know the exact date. It's called The Good Part. And I'm hearing about that one, but I don't remember what it's about. It's so good. It's about a, a, a very messy 20-something who, who really doesn't have her life figured out. She's, you know going on terrible app dates and she is not making enough money to support herself. And she has a terrible kind of entry level job and she makes a wish to skip to the good part in her life. And she wakes up in her forties in this house with a husband and children. And she doesn't remember anything about how she got there. And she just gets thrown into this, this future life of hers. And it's really about, you know, is this truly the good part and, you know, getting there with missing everything before it, does it, feel as satisfying. And it's, it's such a beautiful book about being happy with where you are. That sounds so good. Oh, I've got to, I've got to pick that one up as well. <laughs> Adding to my reading list. I will definitely link to those. Well, I really hope that, you know, as listeners are um, thinking about ways they could spend some time off over the holidays, if they've got any time off, I think they would really love to curl up with the Christmas Orphans Club. Um, it is just a heartwarming read and um, great friendships to dive into and realistic, but also escapist. It just, you know, hits, hits every note. And uh, yeah, I really hope that listeners go pick it up. And Becca, thank you so much for coming on. And if people want to stay in touch with you, I can link to your website. And then I think you mentioned there's a Facebook group and I'm guessing maybe you're on Instagram a lot. Where's the best place to follow you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun chatting. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Becca M Freeman. Uh, my podcast again is called bad on paper. We have new issues. Sorry. We have new episodes every Wednesday. Um, and our book club is the last Wednesday of the month. And uh, if you want to join the Facebook group, you can just search Bad on Paper on Facebook and find the, the private group and request to join. Wonderful. I hope you will go check that out. Um, thank you so much, Becca. Thank you. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.